0: This is Writing Excuses, episode 23, Avoiding the Cliché. 15 minutes long, because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm Tracy. Yes, we have our guest star. (laughs) And you can win a new car. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording live at Life, Universe, and Everything. the conference here at BYU. We have Tracy Hickman, um, multi-best-selling super author. Tracy, is there anything you want to pitch? Um, I mean, you know, tell the audience they should go buy things like that? I'd like to pitch like the that. stimulus
1: bill, but that's a whole different subject. <laughs> no, I, I, we're d- doing all kinds of things right now. We're uh, working on a series with my wife called Dracus, and that should mm-hmm. be out sometime. We believe it's being held captive at the publishers currently. Uh, we just share just a publisher?
0: Do you publish some of your stuff with Tor?
1: Uh, some of it's with Tor, yeah. some of it's with Da. Yeah. yeah, okay. The new books, the Dragonships books, are with Daw. Okay. Or excuse me, with Tor. Okay. I'm much oh. happier there. Yeah, Tor's yeah. good there. Who's doing your really editor at Tor?
0: Okay, we shouldn't ask. These our editor
1: in Tor, my editor at Tor actually died. Oh. Uh,
0: <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I no uh, wonder you're Who is it? Now. I.
1: Well. Is th- <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Howard's holding oh. up black. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: thank you very much. Yeah, my my our our editor at Tor, who who was uh, had bought our Dragon book by Margaret Weis and myself, and. He uh, finished our book and and passed away tragically. That good. It was yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. Apparently from (laughs) like an
1: oversupply of awesomeness, as the saying goes. And and we better
0: actually talk about um, about writing stuff. Um, Avoiding cliche. Um, We haven't done a podcast on this before, and I wanted to uh, to ask you guys how do you avoid the cliche. Let's start with characters. How can you avoid making cliche characters, Dan?
2: By Come on! I, I don't know. Don't Come throw on. these at me with no preparation. Howard, uh, I. Oh no, Tracy! <laughs> Save us! Oh.
1: How do you avoid writing cliche characters? Yeah. How, do you
0: avoid, how do you make your characters three dimensional?
1: Uh, well, uh, you can use any number of rendering programs that will make your characters <laughs> three dimensional. <laughs> You know, you've got to deal with characters that have flaws. Yeah, everybody has these, like, paragons of virtue that come mm-hmm. into their, their books, but they've all got to have flaws, and, the, and, and this makes them more real. So you, you need to find all kinds of strange flaws. I, I, I used to do this in my role-playing games. I, I had a character who decided that he had a dreadful fear of rope, <laughs> oh, yeah, what are you going to do in a dungeon if you have to haul something? right? So, yeah, he had a dreadful fear. You'd be surprised at just how many things you can do with even little simple phobias and, and okay. problems.
0: So what you're saying there, I, what I, I'm picking out of that is flaws, but don't just... No, do the normal stuff. I mean, if someone were going to pick a phobia, they'd probably pick arachnophobia or one of these these normal things. Adding in
2: Why did it have to be snakes? Yes,
0: adding in snakes um, makes Indiana Jones more three
1: dimensional. Well, exactly, okay. and it's something you always remember about them because the, that's that's what that's what their problem is. And, You know, even even in the Da Vinci Code, yeah. you know, the Langdon character has this terrible fear of enclosed spaces, and and it it becomes part of part actually of the uh, evolution of the book as it moves forward. so uh, yeah, you you can find this these flaws or these quirks or in in places, but even more than, than than quirks or flaws, just basic fundamental issues I think um, things that are missing in their personality some aspect that that okay. that is missing that I think rounds that out really well.
2: Brandon, I think we may need to throw the question back at you and ask uh. and ask. <laughs> What do you mean by cliche? Because some of what we're yeah. describing—if well, I were yeah. to write a character who's afraid of snakes—it's it become
0: would, a cliche now. It's a yeah. cliche. That's the—that's the problem with particularly um, science fiction and fantasy, to a, to a lesser extent, but certainly part of fantasy is this idea that the once you do something, it's. It, it, the, the whole genre goes through these waves where things have been done and things get popular and this has been done too much. Right now, you know, in, in horror, they're saying, no more vampires. Please don't give us more vampires. Oh, I'm
1: all for that, actually. Uh, yeah. No more vampires. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have a real problem with the entire vampire deal since I started in vampires, mm-hmm. and now I feel this terrible responsibility for this. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, well, vampires are monsters. Yeah. They, and they should be monsters. And, and they've turned into, like, cute, cuddly hunks. Yeah. And and I object to that. <laughs> I think I think that that's I think actually that is I think that actually ill serves women because what we've done is we've taken this monstrous cliche the idea of the monster man and, and as as a warning a, a cautionary tale for women yeah. you know and 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 turned it into a chick flick. Yeah. It's it's it, it I think it serves women badly. I think in answer to your question Howard what do I mean? Um, it
0: really is one of these kind of reader response things. What you want is the reader to read this and not feel that it's cliche. That's what I want. now define what it is that's harder to do because everybody who's going to read is going to bring something different to it what they've read before for me, Aragon was terribly cliche. for the 13-year-old boys picking up that as their first fantasy novel, it was not cliché. And so your audience will have an effect on what is cliché, what isn't. But there are certain standards of film, of storytelling, that have just been used so many times that it just, it's weak.
1: Yeah, but there there are certain archetypes. I mean, there there are archetypes. Mm -hmm. And the the wonderful thing about an archetype is that if you see the guy in the white hat on the horse, you know he's the good guy. And you don't have to spend a lot of time defining him.
0: And that's useful. The archetypes are that, useful.
1: That's useful, but at yeah. the same time, it's a cliché. He's the guy in the white right hand. How do you deliver the
2: archetype? How
0: do you yeah.
1: deliver
2: the archetype? We need the archetype. D- yeah. How do you deliver it without the, being cliché? The, the reason I think that a
0: lot of characters seem cliché is because they are archetypes. They have two character elements, or three, and when you compare that to another character that has the same three, he's gonna seem identical. Yeah. If you give, make your characters as round as possible, give them all, as many different character elements as you can, make them full people, then you can't compare them point for point to any other character. There's
1: actually a, there's a, there's a theory of story called Dramatica that actually deals with character archetypes and making them into complex characters. And, and, and the whole point of that is that uh, a full set of characters, and they list eight archetypes in their structure, a full set of characters makes a complete argument. And if you're missing different perspectives from, from within that structure, then you're missing some part of the, gra- of the great argument. And so. In, in that particular structure, what they want you to do is to shuffle elements around. You take one, one quality of one character and give it to a different character and, and, and switch things and move things around. I've actually found that to be very effective as a, as a, a model. Uh, you can't you know just you know, put stuff on the dartboard and start throwing darts and expect to come up with characters that you're going to like and, and, and work yeah. with, but at the same time, I think that it's, it's an element that people can use in their writing to, to build full structures and get interesting characters.
0: Okay. You know, as I think a lot about what, what you just said and the, the question here, um, what comes to me uh, to make a character non-clichéd would be good motivations, in fact, unique and original motivations. You can throw in this archetype character, but if you can come up with reasons that they're doing, they're doing, without making them the same old things. The villains are a good example. Villains always seem to want to destroy the world for no good reason. They're either insane or they don't get give, given give motivations. That's your cliched villain. The villain becomes less cliched, not when it's they, don't, they, they still want to destroy the world. You can still have that. That's, that can be the archetype. But when you add a motivation that makes sense, it makes rational sense, which is still a motivation you haven't seen before, um, or you haven't seen explored before, you round the character. Some,
1: someone once called me the vice president of evil. Okay. Okay. Oh. My response to that was, one, who's the president, and two, <laughs> what do I have to do? <laughs> <laughs> and that's because, and, and that's because the, the antagonists in my stories are always very strong. I try to make, we try to make very strong antagonists because they, ha- they have to drive things. Yeah. They have to be there to provide motivation, and, 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 and they also have to make sense. They absolutely must make sense. If you look at some of the best evil characters are those... Who are absolutely certain that they are right? Yeah, absolutely certain that they're right. And <laughs> when you're reading them, you almost feel that they are right. If they, if you have viewpoints from that character. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be convinced of their argument in order for any of it to make uh, to make sense. I, in the, uh, sometimes they can even be uh, a problem for you. I have a character, Lord Soth, in our Dragonlance books. Mm-hmm. And when we came up with him, he just exploded into the scene. He made such sense. He had such drama to him, and such power and romance to this character that anytime he walked onto the stage uh, in in the book, he took everything over. And he grabbed the story by its throat and started dragging it off someplace and Margaret Weiss and I would have to say, no, no, that's not where the story's supposed to go. Please, let go of the story. We'd have to put him in a closet someplace, and then we'd have to go on and try to get the story back on, and then he'd walk back in, he'd grab the story again, and he'd drag it off someplace else.
0: I have a friend, um, just as a side note, who um, loves that character so much that he makes an appearance in every role-playing campaign he does, even if it's if it's irrational for the campaign. He always yeah. shows up. So, Your character. Well, so, yeah, thank you very apparently much
1: apparently
0: he <laughs> I've had to fight him, so thank Appar- you very much, Tracy. Apparently, he, he he has
1: this way on a lot of people because Wizards of the Coast has had him like make special guest star appearances in Ravenloft, that that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. But you know, it, it's like those horrible movie or, or television shows that have jumped the shark, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get their audience back, and so they have like a special guest star appearance that comes from some other and no, television Lord show. Lord Green as. Okay, strong. so when
0: Lord Sauce shows up in my books, then you'll know that I'm <laughs> 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 just
1: kidding. Yeah, no, I, I don't that. know. That sounds really cliche.
2: Waiting for for Lord Soth to show up on uh, CSI. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. All right. And a very Um, special appearance. Lord Soth on CSI. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. One
2: one
0: question, we were asking the audience things that they were curious about that that fits into this. Um, I think that one tendency that people have a lot is when they're writing people of the opposite gender of themselves to push that character into more of a cliche than the characters who are the same genders themselves. I've noticed this in my own early writing and in other people's writing. Um, Tracy, how do you write characters of, that, that are female and make them, I, I was gonna make say them well-rounded, but that has, <laughs> <laughs> make them uh, three-dimensional? Um, um, complete? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, I'll, I'll just pitch that to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, I think I might drop it. (laughs) No, it's interesting because uh, very often men, when they write women, tend to write those characters as though they were just men with breasts, that (laughs) they were just, you know, just, just, not only that, but this is where we get chainmail bikinis from, Mm -hmm. okay, is men writing about women. Chainmail bikinis make no sense whatsoever in any kind of of a martial arts sense. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, here we have this archetype. Why? Because men are writing women the way men think women are supposed to be. And this is uh, this is completely, this does no service to anybody. This perpetuates bad myths for men, for one, and it means that we have no understanding whatsoever about the female experience. Yeah. And, it's, and, it, and the female experience is a fascinating thing and a wonderful thing to explore in literature. But it's very difficult for men to do that, they, to be able to understand the feminine perspective, to get outside of our little male compartmentalized world, mm-hmm. and, and to understand how women perceive our existence. Is 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 something that men have to work at? Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean some of the same things that we've been talking about here. I just I think you, it's something to be aware of when you're going to write someone of the other gender. You tend to immediately fall back on cliches. Men tend to fall back on the you know the what the the three female archetypes: the damsel in distress or the um, the Amazon woman. Or there's a third one that I can't remember. Another oh, figure. Yeah, I'm going to go with figure.
1: crazy woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because men write crazy women all the time yeah. too. Uh, and uh, what what I find is really helpful in that is to give what I write to my wife. Mm-hmm. Because she will read that and she'll say, you know what, a woman would never say this. This is this is what a guy would have a woman say. Yeah. And, and then it's, it's much easier for me to get an understanding of that if I can get the female perspective on what's going on within, within the context of the story. Yeah, I okay.
2: actually do the same thing with my wife. She pre-reads all of the Schlock mercenary scripts. Uh-huh. And if I'm getting the women wrong, she lets me know in no uncertain terms that <laughs> that, that needs to be rewritten.
0: Is there anything specific you do, when Howard, when you're working with the female characters to make them, you know, make them feel realistic? that you don't do with the men, or do you just treat them the same? How how do you approach it?
2: You know, sometimes because of the way, because of the context in which the women appear in my strip, um, I write them a lot like men with breasts, because they're in the military. (laughs) They've got that sort of mindset, Um, but that sort of woman exists, and... And and I have to be You're careful. You're cheating. <laughs> I, yes, I am. Yes, Just I am, But I, interest, to about I, I the recently women that I to recently about. introduced a character, a uh, Paraventura, yeah, who good. is nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order to in order to draw her correctly, in mm-hmm. order to, uh, I mean everything from you know facial expression and movement and especially voice and and all that, I paid attention to my thirteen year old daughter and her friends when they came over and and wrote from there.
0: So you're stalking 13-year-old girls. <laughs> they came to my house. That's even worse, Howard.
2: <laughs> I'm um, not on that list. Yeah. <laughs> yet.
0: <laughs> no, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but you know, my philosophy on it, I'll just reiterate. Um, character first. Um, yeah, if you're looking to just fill a role, your character's going to feel flat no matter what. Um, Lit- if they're just in there to do one thing then you're going to have you're not going to have a well-rounded character people have to be people exist to do more than one thing people their lives are pulled this way and that and they have complex motivations and they're going to be motivated by a lot of different things and they're going to have things that are important to them that are not as important to the other characters and so if you jump into another character's viewpoint and their entire life focuses around the main character then you're doing something wrong because that's going to make them
2: feel like just an attachment to the main character. We talked about this in yeah. uh, the podcast on villains, and it yeah. applies to mm-hmm. any of the characters you write. Write them as if they are—they believe themselves to be the hero in their own story.
0: Yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we're in a room here with fifty-something people. They all think they're the hero of the story. Really, their background to my story. But did you count? <laughs> did you count how many people are? I am just a genius. Oh,
2: okay. It, <laughs> All right. I'm a well, plucky sidekick who lives all the way to the end, right, Dan? <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> all right. I, I make no promises. I, this has I been don't, writing excuses. I don't, excuses. Get, I don't get attacked yeah. by monkeys. What's that? Writing <laughs>
0: prompt! Ah! Your writing prompt this week is Howard gets attacked by monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> write that story. This has been writing excuses. Thank you very much.